Dear God, I just thank you for everything you give us. I thank you for the example of Pastor Joe. I thank you for the opportunity to be up here and, and leading your people. God, I, I praise you for the opportunity to speak about your word. It is an honor and a privilege. God, I pray that you would help me do that effectively and take things away from me that would get in the way of me preaching your word, God. Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, right, Pastor Joe talked about how God has set us apart for his purposes, how God has taken the nation of Israel. And if you've been here in the series of Exodus, we've talked about the whole time how from, from Pharaoh uh, having the Israelites in slavery to God freeing the Israelites and sending them across the sea into the wilderness, right, Pastor Joe has reiterated once again last week how God has set Israel apart for his own purposes, right? Uh, and and how, um, how he gives the Israelites a special relationship with him, a special covenantal relationship with him, right? And so we're going to continue that this week, right? Because the Ten Commandments are really for us just a vehicle uh, for us to see what God expects from his children, right? An outline of, okay, Hey guys, my, my creations, my beautiful human beings that I love here is what I expect from you guys and what I want to see from you guys to live the most fruitful way possible, right? And so um, that's what we're going to do to bring us up, you know, I'm going to give us a little background and then we're going to read the Ten Commandments and give us some thought. So uh, we, we, Israel is in the desert, right? The Lord instructs Moses to tell the Israelites uh, to go to Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai isn't like a huge, huge mountain, but it's a mountain you can probably see the peak from the base. And, and Moses instructs his people, we have to go here because God is going to tell us about this covenantal relationship that he wants to have with us. And, and that's what they do, right? They get to the mountain, and but they're surprised. They get to the mountain, and the mountain is, is covered in dark, thick smoke, you know, the mountain is trembling from the presence of the Lord being on it. And really what's happening is Israel is sitting on the barrier as close as they can to God the Father without dying, right? Without being in his presence too much because he's so holy that they actually cease to exist, right? Uh, and, and so that's where they're at, you know. Could you, could you imagine being in a place where you didn't know what to expect, where there's this huge mountain that, that you don't even know, that you've never seen before, that you, and just, just a real unimaginable place. And that's where Israel finds themselves, um, in the atmosphere of God, right? Um, and, and so Moses' task, Aaron's task, is this, to give the Ten Commandments through the Lord to the Israelites. In a sense, it's like the Israelites... And this is going to bring us up to speed and where we're going to read the scriptures. But in a sense, it's like Israel has just gotten out of jail, right? They, they got no home. They got no place to be. They got, they got no job, no allies, no shelter, no food out in the wilderness. And so here they are at the bottom of this smoking, trembling mountain looking for, for some answer of, okay, what's going to be next? Because they got no idea, right? Um, and so that's where we find ourselves. So what we're going to do is, I actually, I want to do something a little bit different. These are the commandments of God, right? So tonight, I, I want to stand as we read the Ten Commandments. 
they're going to be up on the screen. So let, let's stand and let's read them together, and then afterwards you guys can uh, have a seat. But I, I think these are extremely important because they are the actual words of God in human language, right? Um, and so let's, let's read here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 21. It says, Then God spoke all these words, commandment number one. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make commandment two. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Three, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, blessed, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Five, honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony against your neighbor, and do not covet your neighbor's house, his wife, his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And then it ends and it says this, all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance and said, you speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us or we will die. There's fear. There's fear and there's respect. There's honor. And it ends by saying this. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Um, so so here, here's what I don't want to do tonight, okay? Uh, everybody's heard the Ten Commandments, no matter if you grew up in church or not. Everybody has heard the Ten Commandments, whether it be on TV when they're showing on the History Channel, the, the, the specials right around Easter time or around Christmas time, right? Or whether you've completely grown up in the church and it's been ingrained in your brain from the first day that you've been born, probably like it's going to be in my daughter and my son, hopefully, right? Uh, either way, you have a good idea of what the Ten Commandments are, right? So, so what I don't want to do is just spend some time, don't want to spend time saying, all right, this is what you guys need to do, and this is how you need to do it, because I don't think that's not what God is getting at here, right? What God is getting at, if we had to summarize the Ten Commandments, it would come down to this. The law and everything that God just spoke in his words can be summed up in two things, and that's, that's love God and love others. That's it. That's, that's the whole sermon for tonight. We can pack up, go home. I got no examples. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Love God, love others. Right? You could even break it down like this. The first four, they, they deal with God. They deal with not, not loving idols, keeping him first. They deal with uh, keeping the Sabbath, and they deal with his name. And, and, and in a lot of ways, the first four commandments, you could even say they deal with your vertical relationship with God, and maybe some of you have heard this, your vertical relationship, and then the next six, the honor your father and mother, don't steal, don't lie, don't kill, don't do all those things. Those deal with other people, the people that we're surrounded with in our community, right? Um, it's, it's like love God, love others. It's like even what we expect from our pets sometimes, you know? Like, I expect two things from my dog, and that's to love me, his master, right? Or, or, and, and love other people that come into my house and other animals. Love other animals and play nice with dogs because, let's be honest, when dogs fight, it's, it's not good, right? Um, and, and, and it's not good. And what happens is when, when dogs fight, they get in trouble, and then it's, it's even the other day, I wish Brian was here, but a, a couple months back, Brian came into my house, was having them paint, and praise God for him, but my dog isn't nice sometimes, and she's very protective, and she nipped him on the hand, and I felt really bad because my dog didn't love other people, right? And so, but here's what happens, right, is it works out on an even larger scale when it's humans, right? It, it works out on a, on a grand stage when we're humans, right? And we wonder sometimes why why the world gets so messed up, has, has so many people, has, has hate groups, has, has people putting other people down, has things like murder, has things like stealing, has things like breaking into people's houses, has things like addiction, has things like depression, has things like anxiety, and we wonder, right? But you know what? You know what love looks like? It's a beautiful picture, and that's exactly what God is giving us here. Just last week, in the past two weeks, me and Taylor have, have had people bring dinner to our house almost every single night because we just had a newborn baby and it's extremely hard to cook. Right? That's what love looks like. Love looks like people praying for you. Love looks like surrounding, surrounding your family members with love and not holding those grudges. I know I got family members who hold grudges, and we don't talk to some of them, right? But praise God that he's given us this love and this example here in Exodus, you know? But here's the thing, is, is it's not just what these Ten Commandments say, right? We can't just, whether, whether you've seen these ingrained in your brain before the, the beginning of time or, or as uh, as a... Uh, you know, as a, as a person who's just picked them up on TV or something like that, uh, it's, it's what the whole entire Bible teaches, okay? So if we pick up the Bible and we read it all the way through, we're going to see time and time and time again how God is just telling us that in order to have not only a right relationship with him, but a right relationship with others in the world is we need to all of the time what the whole bible is trying to get at is love god love others right and and here's what it says in matthew 22 if you got that on the screen matthew 22 verse 35 through 40 and says they're they're trying to corner jesus and they're trying to 
decipher what the Old Testament says, and they say to Jesus, lawyers come up to him, and they ask him a question. The Testament says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's a problem. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet, right? All the law and the prophets, in other words, the whole Bible. And Jesus tells us that the law and the prophets, the whole entire Bible, tell us two things, to love God and love others. In Micah 6, 8, it tells us we're to love mercy, walk humbly with our God. In James 1.27, it says that pure and undefiled religion is this, that we take care of the widow and the orphan. And over and over and over again, we see that God tells us, not just in the Ten Commandments, but everywhere in the whole entire Bible, that we are to do two things, love God and love others. But it's a problem when we don't. Because if you're a person like me, and, and as we've just seen, we all make mistakes, and we all mess up, and we don't do the things we should simply because we're human, right? How do I know that? Well, here's, here's what I know. Whenever a baby is born, do you have to teach that baby how to be good or how to be bad? You have to teach that baby how to be good, right? That's how I know that we're, we're you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up, you know? Um, and, and so the problem is that we stink at it at times. And the truth is, here's, here's what happens, and here's the situation as... I dropped my notes, but the truth is, is when we get hurt by people, right, when, when people don't love us how we expect them to love us, when people disrespect us, when we have expectations of how we should be loved, when, when, how we should be treated, and then people don't meet those needs, we get discouraged and we get burdened, right? right. It's like if somebody went up to you and disrespected you and your family and started gossiping about them and said all kinds of nasty stuff and then expected you to be all cheery and happy afterward, that just wouldn't happen, right? That just would not happen at all. And in like a way, when people do that to us, when people take, take their sin and sin against us in ways from just not loving us to holding grudges to whatever have you, right? What happens is, is we get burdened down by that sin, and it begins to pile up on our backs like, like a weight on our shoulders, right? And even, even the disciples felt this. Jesus' disciples, even they felt this, that burden of, of the world and, and just some of the nastiness that, that can come from it. And here's what happens. The disciples felt the weight of this on the seven-mile road when Jesus had just been crucified their best friends, the person who taught them everything for the past three years, their rabbi, their teacher, who they saw heal the lame, right, give the blind sight, let the, let the people who couldn't hear hear, they saw him be brutally murdered for good things. They saw him laid in the tomb. And they went away and they slept on it. And they saw that happen to their friends. And, and so automatically you can only imagine the weight the disciples' shoulders, what they must have been carrying around for them to see a good person, the Son of Man in their eyes, their Savior, their Messiah, the person who they thought who was going to redeem them and lift this off of their shoulders, the problem of loving, and loving God and loving others, the person who they thought was going to set them free, 
died, was killed. So what happens is the disciples are walking along this road, and uh, they, they're, they're discouraged. They're beaten down. They're like, oh, man. Like, and, and they're arguing about it. They're on this seven-mile road, it tells us in the Bible, and they're arguing about it. And then all of a sudden, a stranger comes up out of nowhere, and it's Jesus, but he's masked his appearance so that the disciples don't know it's him. And uh, Jesus, who, is, who they don't know, it's him. He walks up beside them and enters the argument. And he's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on, guys? What's going on? And, and the disciples say, haven't you heard everything that's been going on? How Jesus came, this man, Jesus, healed everybody, loved others perfectly. How God wanted them to be loved. And, th- and then they just, they just killed him in cold blood. We thought he was going to be the one to save us. We thought he was going to be the one to redeem us. And now we're left without hope. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus simply takes the scriptures for the disciples, opens them up, and speaks these words and says, don't you know that the Messiah had to come into the world to suffer many things, to be beaten, to die, to suffer for us, to live the perfect life so that me and you won't have a problem living the perfect life. So that me and you won't have a problem of fulfilling the law. So that me and you can, can, be, can have the burden taken off of our shoulders, can have the weight lifted off of our shoulders, so that we can be free to love others, to love the people that have hurt us. And that's what he says. We don't have to walk around with the weight of the world on our shoulders because Jesus has already done that. And this is my last point, and we're out of here. The law is fulfilled, and we're freed up to love. Our chains are broken. When we place our complete trust in Jesus, that he has done everything that the law requires, and he lives inside of us. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this. I got it on the screen. It says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. And then it says this, The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. In other words, Jesus did everything that God commanded in his life. And in order for you and for me to fulfill that law, instead of striving after it day after day in the wilderness like the Israelites did, in the middle of nowhere, searching for food, instead of doing that, we get to lay our burdens at the man who was perfect, and who did everything for us. You know, he frees us up to love. You know, as, as, as a younger dude, as a dude who's even younger than I am right now, I'm a 26-year-old dude, you know, uh, but as a dude who was 16, I got into some trouble, and um, I, I got kicked out of school, long story short. You know, I, I had to go to court everything like that, and um, I was a troublemaker in high school, did a lot of things that I shouldn't, 
Um, had a lot of things I had to overcome, a lot of trouble that, that I had to, had to give to the Lord. But what happened was um, I went to court, and they gave me probation and community service. And I was, I was being forced to love other people, right? The judge said, hey, listen, we don't care about you, but you're going to do this, and it's going to make up for what you've done, right? Judge said that. And uh, what, what, what happened was I got placed at this ministry. You know, it was, a, it was a ministry in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh, and it's on the north side. Serves the inner city community, and, and basically what they did, um, the name of the ministry is called Urban Impact, and uh, what they do is they primarily preach the gospel and show love to others through sports and academics and uh, performing arts and all that great stuff. Um, but, but what they did was I saw an example, just, just super simple, that I'd never seen in my life before. Just super simple of this is, this is a picture of the gospel. This is a picture of what it means to just love God and love others, real simply, real practically. I, I saw this guy, his name, his name was Seth. I'll never forget this day. It was my first day of doing community service, forced community service. I walk into this basketball gym where I was supposed to keep score for the kids, and, and I just saw this dude who didn't look like a pastor, who didn't wear a collar, who had, had no of the prerequisite appearances of a person of faith. Is this dude with tattoos, talked real rough, you know, and, and actually uh, he did something real simple. He brought all the kids in from the neighborhood, inner city Pittsburgh, and, and brought them to this gym in the public school, played basketball with them, ate pizza with them, and then sat them down in halftime and told them how Jesus loves them so much. And I, and I saw that, and I was like, man, like, I love basketball, <laughs> right? I love pizza, and I'm not sure about the Jesus thing, but, you know, maybe we could work on that. And I saw that, but I was hindered, right? I wanted to get involved. I was a, I was a great basketball player. I was a freshman on the varsity basketball team, loved playing basketball, got kicked out of school. My dreams and my dreams were crushed as far as being a basketball player. And, and then I went to this basketball gym and saw an opportunity to serve, but I couldn't, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Because you know why? Because I had all these external circumstances just weighing me down like a weight, and that's what happened. Right? I'd never in my life felt like that. You know? You know, right then and there, I didn't get saved. I didn't say, you know, I trust in Jesus, you know, all the, all the stuff that you might do in Sunday school or something like that. But what happened was um, I got saved when I was 19. So that whole time, you know, I'm building up this, this stuff of how I'm not free to love, how, how I can't go out and just, you know, do whatever I want in the, names of love, in the name of love because, you know, I, I got all these things I got to worry about in my own life, how they're weighing me down, right? And so... Uh, but when I was 19, God invaded my heart, and I gave my life to him, right? I trusted in him, and what happened was I began to pray, and I, gained, I began to ask him to, to remove the bitterness from my heart. I prayed, and I asked him, I said, God, remove my anxiety. I prayed. I said, God, remove my depression. God, remove my social anxiety so that, so that I can go out and... and have fun and be myself and do what you created me to do, which is love God and love others. And that's what I said. And slowly, Jesus came into my situation, lifted my hatred, lifted my bitterness, lifted my, my tendency to have my own control over my life. 
And fast forward a little bit in time, I was 19. I went back there when I got saved, and I started volunteering. I went there Monday for a couple hours, and then what happened is I went Monday and Tuesday, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and pretty soon it was almost every single day of the week because I loved to do it because I didn't have all that baggage weighing me down. I didn't have that stuff that I was carrying, right? So listen. You want to love God and love others. If we want to do what God commands, then we got to have faith in Jesus. So listen, how do you give all your burdens to him? What does that look like, practical level? You know, because it's one thing to get up here and say, you know, you need to, you need to pray. It looks like this. Praying to God specifically to lift your anxiety and your brokenness. Praying, God, heal my family situations. And stepping out when you don't feel like it. Saying, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up, and I want to try better next time, and then actually trying better next time. It's in that way that God helps us when we repent of our sins. It's in that when, when we have faith in Jesus, when Jesus comes into our life and fil- fulfills the law for us, right? It looks like getting into his word. It looks like reading your Bible. I was always under the impression, impression that, uh, that the Bible was just something that was inaccessible, that I couldn't read, that I couldn't understand, but alone and behold, if, if you open it up, if you take one of the Bibles we got here, it makes sense. You can read it as an ordinary person. The translation we got here, it's, it's a, a, a normal, it's, it's written on a sixth grade level so that we can read it and understand it and get the gist of what God wants us to know. Right? And finally, it looks like surrounding yourselves with other Christians. Because let's be honest, when I got saved, and I asked Jesus into my heart, right, and and I asked him to come and lift these burdens from my shoulders, I had a whole team of people surrounding me and asking me questions, how they can pray for me. People giving me phone calls at midnight, 1 a.m., saying, "How, how are you doing? Hey, I've been thinking about this scripture. Let me give it to you. What do you think about it? I had... The, the, the Christian community come alongside me and pray for me. So listen, we as Christians, we as regular people can't do it on our own. The Israelites couldn't do it on their own. The, the, we, we see that over and over again in the Bible, how the Israelites mess up and then they get right with God. And they mess up, get right with God. And they mess up and they get right with God. It's a process. It's going to be hard. We need to pray. Ask him to do that for us. And and what's going to happen is the pieces of our hearts that were hard, he's going to start to soften up. And he'll free us up. But take those burdens off your shoulders so that you can feel like it. So that you can feel like cooking somebody a meal who you know needs it. So you can feel like talking to that family member who you haven't talked to in years. 
so you can feel like reconciling things with your spouse so that you can you can feel like being the hands and feet of Jesus to others and God is serious about this he's serious Would you guys bow your heads and, and pray with me dear God we thank you that that you've given us this example God we thank you that You've given us this code to live by that shows us exactly where we need to be and at the same time exactly where we fall short. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that it's only in you and what you've done and how you've lived the perfect life that we can love others how you want us to love others, God. everything you've done for this church, for this community. God, and I pray especially that you would heal the brokenness. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.